I'm Amy, and I'm here with Kenny from um, We Farm. Hi, Kenny. Hi. <laughs> um, now, can you just tell me what We Farm is? Sure. Uh, we Farm is a is a social enterprise that uh, enables small scale farmers, uh, mostly without access to the internet, uh, to obtain information on anything they want, as sourced from from the crowd. Uh, so, using SMS predominantly as a tool at this stage, uh, with machine learning and the knowledge of of thousands of other farmers to get information uh, shared across the supply chain. I've been nosing around your website and I saw some stories of people saving their chickens and um, their chickens had got sick and they didn't know what was wrong and then they text in. Um, there was also other stories. Are there any stories that you can share of, of how it works? Uh, sure, yeah, definitely. So um, mostly interactions on WeFarm start with a, a question or a problem that a farmer has. Uh, you know, in the example that you, you mentioned, uh, if a... Uh, uh, a case study on a, on a guy called Kefa that uh, he's a chicken keeper, had about 60 chickens in his flock um, and had a disease that was kind of ripping through them and it killed uh, a large number in the space of a few days. Uh, so he sends an SMS for free to the local WeFarm number that starts to talk about his problem. You know, my chickens have these symptoms um, and these problems. What can I do? Uh, so WeFarm receives the message, uh, and at that point we we do some machine learning on the content. Uh, you know, trying to understand what Kefa is saying to us, uh, where he is, what he farms. You know, increasingly what the weather might be like where he is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and we use that analysis to pick out uh, a few people in the entire network that can answer that one particular question. Um, it goes to them via SMS, and we get you know one or two bespoke tailored answers back to the original farmer from people we know uh, have dealt with a similar problem or are experts in that particular area. Mm, fantastic. And so a text message is how many symbols? Uh, up to 160 characters. Okay. Um, and and also, there's, um, are you dealing with different languages? And Yeah, so I mean, obviously, uh, text message or SMS restricts us to some extent um, in, in terms of the content, but I, I guess that forces us and the farmers to be eloquent to a degree in how we deal with things. Um, I, th I think the other side of that, though, is that we're, we're, we're pretty much the only digital ecosystem for these farmers to use. Um, so, you know, in context, being able to get help and information, even if it is only one or two SMS long, is, is, is you know, much better than the alternative. In terms of languages, we, we deal with uh, English, Swahili, uh, Ruangkali, and Lugandu. Um, so both, you know, uh, main uh, languages in Uganda and Kenya as well as some of the regional languages. Uh, I believe we're, we're probably the only people in the world building uh, natural language processing libraries in, in some of these languages. So hopefully of benefit to people beyond just WeFarm. So how many SMSs would be exchanged? Is it a conversation of SMS messages that normally goes on? What's an average conversation consist of? Yeah, so I mean, and, and many times it is just as simple as a farmer asking a question, um, us sharing that with a, a few people we think can help, and, and one or two answers going back to the original farmer. Uh, sometimes the conversation goes beyond that, and, and, and more and more as we develop the product, uh, trying to create uh, you know, a, a unique link between the, the questioner and the answerer, so that you know, follow-up questions or a conversation can begin. Uh, so that's the sort of stuff we're working at at the moment. At the moment, we're, we're sending and receiving something in the region of three and a half to four million uh, SMS a month. Mm. Um, you know, our network has now grown uh, to, well, half a million probably by the time uh, this goes out, uh, sometime in the next few days. And how does it, how does it grow? How does your network grow? 
Uh, so a mixture of different things. Uh, we use uh, radio quite a lot as a, as a medium to, to spread the word. Um, we do a lot of content-driven uh, radio where farmers can call in and talk to us, and, and we find that really effective. Uh, we also have agents, ambassadors, as we call them, on the ground that help us to build trust in the community and teach farmers how to use it. Um, and that's a really effective model for us. Uh, and increasingly, we see word of mouth being really powerful. So farmers who've been using the service and, and tell a friend about it, uh, mm. which is obviously really important for us as we really to, to scale. Mm. And so when did you kick off and what's been the growth rate of... <laughs> um, so we, we launched in, in February 2015. Um, mm. I, I remember our first 10 users by, by name. Um, uh, and since then, we've been growing... Uh, probably somewhere in an average of about 10% month on month. Um, uh, and, you know, if you look at our growth curve, it's, it's really accelerated rapidly in the last uh, few months. We're starting to hit, you know, not quite exponential growth, but, uh, you know, in the, in the communities that we're working with, which are, you know, often offline, it is the equivalent of exponential growth. Um, I, I think more important for us, though, isn't just people signing up, it's that they actually use it. Um, so on the average month, about 30 to 40% of the users are actively contributing content, questions and answers, which is astronomically high, you know, if you compare that to, to most of the kind of social networks uh, that we see in the Western world. Um, so we're very pleased with that and believe we're probably the first people to ever create this kind of significant growth and then engagement digitally with offline communities. And in the back end, you must be collecting loads of clever stuff about farming, like lots of... Um, what are you doing with that? What do you imagine will, will be the outcome of those things? Yeah, I mean, data is obviously hugely important for us. I mean, personally, I believe that's where our, our game-changing social impact comes from uh, the data you know obviously on top of the individual help we can give to farmers uh, but it's also where our commercial model uh, comes in um, you know obviously these farmers that we're working with form the vast majority of the world's supply chain mm. the origin of, of many of the commodities markets uh, so the data and forecasting that we can do across you know tens of thousands of conversations is, is really exciting on the social side we're looking at things like tracking disease um, you know can we use machine learning and, and the symptoms of a disease to, to pick out trends that might indicate an outbreak of food and mouth disease or armyworm uh, and help local authorities to deal with that, NGOs, whoever it might be, you know, we can probably, you know, see that in an hour where otherwise it might take weeks um, to come to light. Uh, on the commercial side, looking at things like ripening periods, um, also disease patterns that might affect the supply chains of some of the multinationals or the commodities markets, um, you know, not sacrificing or, or giving away any individual data on any farmers, but looking at the trends of uh, what happens across uh, you know, massive numbers of conversations. And also then building that back into the product so it helps the farmers. Mm -hmm. um, so if a farmer asks a question on planting carrots in a particular region of Kenya, we, you know, have a lot of historical data on other farmers who've done similar things and can help to guide people uh, based on data rather than just uh, hearsay. And obviously we've seen a lot of change in agriculture over even just a relatively short period, like 30 years. Um, and so, and actually the amount of data that we collected about farming has been relatively recent and has always been from large scale farming. So I can see how exciting it is to collect from these smaller, I mean, they, do they tend to be smaller scale farms that you're doing or quite a variety? Uh, I mean, we don't stop anyone from using the system as long as they're using it responsibly. But yeah, the vast majority of our farmers are, are small scale farmers between half a hectare and, and four or five hectares uh, is where the majority would lie. Um, so I know that um, there's a lot of excitement about being able to collect data from small holder farmers and also um, make the accessible the knowledge that um, that they haven't been able to share before. Um, 
One of the things that I, I, I spoke to uh, one of your colleagues about was how do you... Um, uh, how do you make sure that there's like a variety of information um, so if someone comes into market a product and they approach a hundred of your farmers and they get on your and so the farmers are talking about this product which may or may not be a great product but how do you prevent your 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 system or do you does, does is that something you won't get involved with um, so I mean yeah I mean uh, there's I guess a, a wide range of examples where people could be sharing, you know, potentially inappropriate uh, content. Um, I guess we look at dealing with that in a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, we have spam filters and uh, can very quickly pick out keywords that are, you know, obviously inappropriate mm-hmm. um, uh, for sending. Um, more and more, we use you know more sophisticated machine learning to actually um, detect intent rather than just keywords. Uh, you know, once you start looking at cross languages, you know, a word that might be, you know, rude in Swahili or English isn't in another language. It's something that sounds very similar. So more and more we have to look at the intent of what the message is trying to say. Uh, and the same mechanism that helps us understand whether a farmer is talking about this breed of chicken or another breed of chicken can help us understand if they're talking about um, something political or, or uh, something that we wouldn't necessarily want to share. The other side of it is then having the crowd uh, be involved in this. I mean, this goes back to the entire ethos of we farm and, and what makes our data really special is it's coming from people naturally. We're not extracting it. We're not asking people questions or filling in surveys. We're just letting people talk naturally between themselves uh, and empowering the crowd to also be filters of information and you know what's inappropriate and what's not is really important. Um, I think people get pretty protective about the system. You know, when people share things that aren't agricultural related, there's always somebody very quickly saying, you know, this is not about farming. So, so, you, so people have that already on your system. Uh, so people, because I was interested how many people see the messages because they're coming. I'm imagining everyone's sat on a pretty much text-based phone, yep. and they're and they're just seeing. They send in a message and then they'll just receive um, a response. But also, how are they getting the questions directed to them? Uh, so the. the the average user will receive you know something in the region between one and two questions a week, depending on how engaged they are. And you know, obviously, we look at the data of you know if we sent somebody four hundred questions over the previous two years and they haven't answered any of them, you know, it's it's probably uh, you know not worth sending them any more questions. Uh, on the other end of the scale, we have users that are highly engaged. Uh, we have an ask me function where users can request questions, uh, and we see some users that that sit and answer questions you know for half an hour or an hour, and it's uh, you know that's that's really exciting. So I mean, how many messages people get really depends on their own um, activity levels and what they want um, but the average question is probably being seen by somewhere between 10 and 20 people at the moment um, uh, we expect that one or two will answer it statistically uh, and obviously within that there's people that will report bad content or, or flag inappropriate things as well. Um, so internally you have a kind of user um, assessment of, of how well, a user is performing as a as a question answer and as someone who's actually asking questions and partaking, but but it's um, rather than in a social media, everyone's rate, almost rating each other much more publicly. Yeah. Um, and so how how has that been for you trying to work out what is a seen as like a high rated individual on your platform? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean. The mechanics of what we're doing behind the scenes are often very similar to the social networks uh, that we know, but obviously our interface is is very different in terms of SMS. 
Um, so not entirely different. We're looking at uh, and experimenting with many different ways of getting users to rate things, whether that's just a simple, did this answer your question, yes or no, to, you know, can you rate this out of 10? And, and you know, we're doing experiments at the moment to see, you know, which of those users, you know, respond to the best, which of them work. Um, but I think that, that kind of crowd verification is really important to us. You know, we're already getting way beyond the volumes of, of content that we can have humans analyze, and, and that's obviously only going to increase. So we need a mixture of smart technology and engaged users to do that for us. I, I guess the analogy I would probably use is, is eBay, where you know eBay can't possibly verify the millions of products that are going through their system. So they have the crowd verify that you can safely buy a T-shirt from this person because other users have verified that they you know describe it well, they send it on time. You know, we're, we're essentially building the same for information that, you know, we can't necessarily tell you this is a perfect rabbit answer, but we can tell you that this person knows a lot about rabbits. Mm-hmm. Um, and what countries are you operating in at the moment? Uh, so currently we're only in Kenya and Uganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now have, I think, about 7% of all the forums in Kenya and Uganda using, using the system as we grow quickly. Uh, we're adding Tanzania um, early next year. Uh, and then um, looking at uh, various other sub-Saharan African and Asian countries over the next two years. And how did you decide where to start? <laughs> I, yeah, I'd like to say that was a, a really smart analysis and, and such like, but uh, partly coincidence. Um, we were already working um, on the ground with farmers in, in Kenya and Uganda. We knew some of the cooperatives uh, there through uh, we Farms Origins as, as a project at a, an NGO of the Cafe Drug Producers Foundation uh, that I was working with. Um, so, you know, we already had uh, the context to be able to, to do the first launch. Um, and I guess the East African ecosystem, you know, it's, SMS is a huge product there, mobile money, people are already comfortable with doing things through SMS. So uh, it was a really great place for us to launch. Do you think that we might end up seeing something like this for UK farmers? Uh, we do get quite a lot of interest and requests to do uh, things in, in, in the Western world. Um, I, I mean, at the moment, the reality is there are much more sophisticated farm management systems in place for, for farmers in the Western world that have you know, internet access and the capital to be able to do that. Um, that being said, I think what WeFarm does uniquely is have that sense of community and talking to each other, which is you know, something that I think a lot of Western world farmers actually relate to. Um, so at the moment, I think our, our focus is very much on the developing world, but you know, it would be interesting to do something uh, outside of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, is there anything uh, that, in terms of, have you got any feedback that from a farmer of the impacts on um, on maybe meeting up physically with other farmers, or um, or do it any any farmers? Um, I'd really like to hear a story of like where it works really well and maybe ones where you've really had to work to solve a problem, maybe where people weren't sharing or they were trying to sort of sabotage. Are there any stories of... Um, I don't know of any stories of sabotage, <laughs> maybe maybe yet to come. Uh, I mean, definitely we have plenty of case studies of, of farmers who've used it and really benefited from it, um, you know, from Kefa or Chicken Farmer to, uh, we, were, we were doing a case study recently with a, a tea farmer called Michael in, in Kenya that he'd, he'd been asking various questions on fertilization techniques, on pruning, which is really important in tea plants and, and when to do that, the spacing between these new plants. And uh, over, over a year of using the system, he... he 
got pretty close to doubling, not quite about about a ninety percent increase uh, in his average tea yield, uh, which is obviously a fantastic result for us mm. and, and shows what's possible. And we have you know various stories of that. We actually recently introduced a feedback um, uh, function on the system where our user can send us feedback on on anything that they want to just by starting their message with feedback. Uh, that comes directly into our into our Slack channel in the office, so we get to see every piece of feedback that a, a user. Uh, has left and it's it's I have to be honest the majority of it is really positive um, people's you know freely sending us information about uh, the things they've taken from the system you know, obviously like anything the occasional pieces of, of constructive feedback as well um, you know we're we're still an early stage company and there's a lot of progress for us to make but we're getting there um, can you imagine uh, posting out experiments or challenges with the idea that you're now starting to um, gather all this information. Can you uh, imagine actually sending out experiments that many people try in different areas and see what comes back to farmers? You mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we get. I mean, we get a lot of interest in us um, sending things out to farmers, whether that's you know from a quite crude angle of advertising to um, you know obviously looking at much more of the data side of things and, and social uh, experiments. Um, I think what's quite important for us is as you know we, we grow and, and build the trust of the farmer is to minimize the top-down voice as much as possible. Uh, so we try to send as little content to farmers as, as possible and really make it a community thing. Uh, you know trust is hugely important you know everywhere but especially in rural African communities. Um, we are the first digital system that the vast majority of these farmers will ever use. So I think it's really important and a big responsibility on us to make sure that we're, we're being responsible with that. Um, but I think the, the, the possibilities of getting interesting social data out of this that are helpful to NGOs and to local communities themselves are, are huge. You know, f you know, for example, we can look at the, uh, the, the rates of which young people under the age of 30 are planting coffee versus tea and start to look at trends in that or, or what are the problems that a, a 20 year old farmer is talking about versus a 50 year old farmer uh, men uh, and women uh, and the gender uh, differences in that and you know that's all really powerful data for, for governments and, and local authorities I think. Mm -hmm. um, with the data sharing um, where, where do you draw the lines of where, that, where this anonymous but accumulated big data who can get their hands on it uh, I mean I think this is still early days and, and you know as I said the first and foremost for us is, is the trust of the farmer uh, the reality is that, that none of it works unless farmers trust us and, and do so for the long term um, you know, we, we also have uh, shareholders in the business, which is the NGO, uh, which, you know, we first created WeFarm, which is owned by the farmers themselves. So we have a kind of direct link in our, in our very structure back to the farming communities. Um, in terms of data specifically, I, I think that's, that's really a case-by-case -case basis for us at the moment. Um, you know, our commitment to users is we never give away anyone's personal information and have no intention of doing so at any point. Um, and, you know, we would certainly look at any aggregated data that, that heart farmers is, is something we would want to get involved in. But, you know, the vast percent of what we do is, is, is a very anonymized and a, a very big scale, so it isn't really uh, particularly relevant in, in that sense to any individual farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the NGO, does that mean that you have a board? Who sits on the board of your NGO? Um, so the NGO has has a board of trustees, which um, includes I think three small scale farmers these days. They're a shareholder in in We Farm and have a board seat on on the We Farm. Um, we also have uh, venture capital investment uh, now. Um, we are a we are a social enterprise, but a commercial company. So. 
um, we are hopefully hopefully building the best of both worlds. And how long have you been involved in uh, We Farm, and what was how did you end up here? Um, it's it's a relatively long long story. I'll try to keep it uh, short. Yeah, I, uh, I've only got a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I I spent many years working in Latin America, um, mostly in in structure and engineering projects uh, with rural communities. Uh, I built fish farms and water systems. Uh, mostly with indigenous communities in the high Andes and, and Amazon basin, um, and obviously spent a lot of time working with uh, farming communities, and um, I guess seeing a lot of a lot of the top down attitude that was taken to information sharing. You know, a lot of people, you know, it's obviously widely recognised this issue of people not having access to information, but being honest, most people come at it as a well, we'll just tell poor people what to do, uh, and I think really saw the opportunity to do something very different. Um, and working with small-scale farmers under the NGO a few years ago, uh, we kind of started to develop you know, what would become WeFarm, and, and people were really excited about those ideas and, and being able to share their own knowledge and information. Uh, and then in, in 2015, we took the decision to, to spin it out as a, as a social enterprise and you know, haven't looked back since. Mm, amazing. Um, I feel like I've, I've got everything I need, but is there anything else that you think... Um, how many people work for WeFarm at the moment? Um, so at the moment we're uh, we're twenty four at the moment uh, with a kind of core team based here in London uh, that's mostly senior management, uh, data science uh, developers, uh, and then we have awesome teams on the ground in in Uganda and Kenya, uh, and they mostly uh, look at the marketing side of things, the engagement with our users and agricultural knowledge, uh, and working with the the farmers themselves. Um, we are in the midst of, of doing another funding round at the moment. Uh, hopefully on the back of that, we'll, we'll probably be doubling in size over the next year. Um, we, uh, we hope to reach about 3 million farmers um, with that. Uh, so we're excited about the next sort of 12 to 18 months. Mm, great. Um, and one thing that um, came up when we were chatting at this conference was, have you ever thought about um, collect, giving them all weather systems and collecting the weather data? Yes, very much so. I think, I mean, our, our core vision for WeFarm is to become a complete digital ecosystem. Um, so at the moment, it's, it's very much based around questions and answers and information. Uh, but we're, we're really working on products that, that take that core and, and build other services for farmers around them. Uh, so whether that's the farmer being able to, to trade things through WeFarm or have access to loans or fertilizers uh, or simple things such as weather, you know, we're very open to all of that. Ultimately, we'd like farmers to, to see WeFarm as a trusted source of information for, for everything. Mm -hmm. um, and farm, so Farmarama has a community, a sort of global community of um, small-scale farmers and also innovators and tech designers. Is there anything that um, you would like to, any challenges that you have at the <laughs> moment that you think they might be able to... Uh, we, we have an, uh, enough challenges to keep people going for, for the next decade, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anyone's willing uh, to, to help us or, or wants to know more or get involved, um, we, have a, we have a contact us page on our, on our website at uh, wefarm.org. Uh, I'm very, very happy to, to, to speak with anyone who wants to get involved. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kenny. Thank you.